Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 89. We're back the start of a brand new week. Happy freaking Monday. Happy freaking Monday. We're here to give you the results and recap of hashtag UFC Vegas 24. Headlined by kind of capping off these last couple weeks of some middleweights, shaking little, little it up. Middleweight tournament. Yeah, sort of. Sort of, kind of, even though both both contests <laughs> yeah. had a fallen out. And, uh, but Robert Whitaker. Man. He solidifies himself as the number one contender for Israel Adesanya with a win over Kelvin Gastelum. We'll talk about that and much more. But first, it's time for the news. The news. Starting off hot and heavy here. Hot and heavy. This this actually should have been in uh, yeah, th- Friday. It got episode. announced as we were recording, so we missed it. Yeah, so Santiago Ponzinibbio is back, coming off a very tough loss in his... I guess, return bout after a two-year layoff against Li Jingliang. But now it doesn't get any easier for him. He's going up against the surging prospect, Dude. Miguel Baeza. We're huge on Baeza. Baeza's a beast. But Ponzinibbio has been there, yeah. done that. So what are your thoughts here? This is going to be a banger. Like, fight of the night potential here. Should it go three rounds? Uh, I can't wait for this one. Baeza... Such a tough prospect coming up right now. Was very active recently. Haven't seen him in a little bit. So this is by far the biggest <laughs> test for him. Biggest name that he can put on his resume. And for Santiago, like Noah mentioned, the tough loss to Li Jingliang in his return fight. And it doesn't get much easier here against Baeza. That's for damn sure. No, it really doesn't. Baeza, very powerful guy. Man, incredible technical. you got to understand, like for Ponzinibbio, now he's going to be going up against a guy who... It's going to be faster. Mm. It's going to be arguably maybe even more stronger. This dude's got like one At this punch. point, yeah. you know, Positive Yo's definitely in his fight with Jing Liang. You noticed the guy wasn't quite who he was in his best. Right. Was that because of the long layoff and maybe he's still building himself back up? Potentially. Or potentially, we just, the best of him has came and went. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, Jing Liang is not, he's kind of a plotter for that division. Mm hmm. Baeza is not a plotter. Nah. Baeza will He's coming to bang. stick it. Yeah, I mean, he'll stick and move, but at the moment he hurts you, he pounces. You oh, look yeah. at that Matt Brown knockout. Mm. He dove for he dove in with the elbows. Brutal. Uh, just disgusting. So Ponzinibbio is going to have his hands full there. But Baeza, it's a big test. And uh, sure, Matt Brown, being the legend he is and the guy who's been in so many wars, a big test. Yeah. But Ponzinibbio is I, – I have more – I guess I feel less, um, you know, Matt Brown, I felt for sure, like, okay, his best years are behind Yeah, yeah. Positive, I still, I feel like can improve upon what we saw. I mean, we're talking about a guy that before that layoff and loss to Jing Ling was like a top eight guy and was unbeaten for many, many fights in a row. Headlined the card, headlined the card. So, So. yeah, the first ever card in Argentina. So this is a great fight for both guys. And very important for two opposite reasons. Yeah, and I didn't. I failed to mention this is happening on June fifth. June fifth, fight night. Yep. yep. Week before Figgy Marina. Moving on, battle prospects here. I mean, he's back though. This is exciting. Our boy Billy Q. Billy Q. Billy Quarantillo, going up against Herbert Burns, the brother of Gilbert Burns. Yes. Both these guys coming off coming tough off losses. losses. Yeah. We Herbert Burns, man. We haven't talked about him since our very first preview show yes. for UFC 252. That was his last fight. In that in that preview, we predicted him a 
to get a big dub, and he yeah. got smashed. smashed by Daniel Pineda. While Billy Corntillo, we've kind of been on board with the whole time. Just had that war with Gavin Tucker. Yeah, Gavin Tucker, though, really yeah. kind of showing that maybe Billy's not quite at the level that we want him to be yeah. yet. But uh, this will be a good test for both guys. We know where Herbert Burns' strengths are going to lie. This guy's jiu-jitsu. An ace. He, he's, you're right. He, <laughs> yeah. That man is a, what do they call him, the, like a buzzsaw when yeah, it comes yeah. to the ground. Um, while Billy tends to, his striking showed a little bit of holes in it in his last fight with Tucker. But will those same holes pop up against a guy like Herbert Burns? Yeah, I'm over, not sure. Overall, I feel like Billy Q has the advantage in the striking. Of I course, would think so. Herbert on the ground. Herbert, not as complete of a fighter yet as his brother, uh, Gilbert Burns, which is, you know, that's that's kind of a hard comparison, yeah, but you get what true. I'm saying. So I think this is a very good clash of styles for two prospects that are honestly pretty big names for being prospects. This is a very fun fight, July 17th. Yep, July 17th. I forgot <laughs> to mention that again. But uh, that's all for our fight announcements. Now we're on to the rest Bellator 257 results in recap time. The Grand Prix goes on. And you know what? We got three fights to talk about here because we're going to start outside of the Grand Prix. Paul Daly and Sabah Hamasi. Yes, sir. Uh, threw, in their, threw in their hat for a fight of the year contender. Paul Daly um, always in bangers, Let's too. talk about how we just passed the 10-year anniversary of maybe the best one-round fight ever yeah. at Strike Force between Paul Daly and Nick Diaz. True. So then Daly comes in here against Hamasi. Hamasi looks like he's going to finish Daly early round one. Paul comes back, drops Hamasi at the end of round one. Then round two comes and knocks him out. Yeah. Paul Daly, man, still got that power in his hands. Um, Hamasi, a UFC uh, veteran as well. Yeah. Both guys showing a high level fight in Bellator. It was fun. And like Noah mentioned, Daly been doing this stuff for years and years and years at this point. A true veteran of the fight game. Always in fun fights and he showed it again here at Bellator 257. Yep, 257. Our co-main event though, this is where we get into the Grand Prix results. Grand Prix. As you guys know, just kind of updating. We started with eight uh, eight guys. Yep. Bader defeats Bader, Machida. Bader defeats Machida. So then this fight here, Corey Anderson getting the TKO win over Dovl- <laughs> Yeah, Dovletazan Yakshimiradov. Absolutely perfect. I feel like it's not, but I appreciate Chef's it. Kiss. Hey, Corey Anderson now 2 0. Corey Bellator. Anderson 2 0, both via finish as well. Yeah. Um, finishes Dovletazan via TKO in the third round, 2 minutes 15 seconds in. That means Corey Anderson will be facing Ryan Bader in the semifinals. It's a good fight, too, man. It is. Two guys that didn't fight. Each yeah, other never in the had UFC, their pass. Even cross. though, you know. When Bader was kind of hanging around the top. It's kind of when Corey, Corey was Anderson, starting to emerge yeah, into. Yeah, Corey Anderson, uh, ultimate fighter winner. Yeah. Um, came in with a lot of, what we call it, a lot of praise. I guess A lot, a lot, of, of, a lot of buzz. Yeah, a lot of buzz. Um, he was very much highly touted right away, being given high-profile matchups. Always while, fought the toughest dudes. You know, while Bader really was, him and John Jones came up at the same time. And John Jones kind of made easy work of him, so yeah. therefore it was always like Bader was kind of a a step below, mm. you know, the top guys. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how these guys match up at light heavyweight. You know, yeah. Bader's been bouncing around for a while. Corey Anderson has so far looked really good. Yeah, man. In his Bellator career, I would say though, 
that uh, I think it the, the step, you know, going up and fighting uh, Bader, I think is a huge step up from Dovletazan and who he fought before. Oh, for sure. By the way, shout out to Bellator for them sick <laughs> white gloves they're doing for the Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Ooh, those are nasty. Yeah, they're very clean. But yeah, shout out Corey Anderson, of course, too. And we had a title fight. We did. The light heavyweight belt was on the line. Vadim Nemkov, in his rematch with Phil Davis, gets the unanimous decision win. Closer than probably the fight really was, at yeah. least in the scorecards. 48-47 on all three judges' scorecards. This fight was a bit of a dud, you know? Um, yeah, like you kind of mentioned before we started recording, Nemkov, rounds one and two kind of showed just the levels no, that just, he was ahead. Just was, was striking circles around yeah. uh, Phil Davis. And then the, the rounds three, four, five potentially just slows down a little bit, coasts to get the win, you know? Nothing wrong with it, but uh, this guy's a straight killer. We saw what he did to Bader mm-hmm. to win the belt. And now, buddy, who's he take on next? Let He's got the winner Ooh. of Anthony Johnson and Yoel Romero, Ooh, that a fight that's May happening 7th. two weeks from now, right? Yes, yes. So be on the lookout for that because <sighs> Nimkov will be defending his title, so potentially one of those two newcomers to Bellator could become light heavyweight champion in their second Bellator fight. Yeah, and if Nimkov can beat a guy like Romero or Rumble... My goodness. I mean, this guy's a savage <laughs> kickboxer. Very crisp techniques. It's going to be an interesting matchup, no matter which one of those guys comes out on top. But, holy shit, we're two weeks away from Rumble. And a lot of the talk I'm hearing, a lot of people do, I think, are sleeping on the, uh, I'll call it the left side of this bracket that now is filled with Bader versus Anderson. Yeah. It really does seem like everybody thinks whoever comes out of this other side. Yeah. It's going to be the winner. Like, the real finals is kind of Vadim Nemkov versus the winner of Romero Johnson. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't – I think people need to slow down on that. I know Nemkov really did make easy work at Bader the first time they fought, but I would not expect uh, Bader to go down so easy the second time. Yeah, for sure. Corey Anderson, really th- kind of the – we don't know what his ceiling is in Bellator. And then, obviously, Nemkov, if he kind of coasts like he did a little bit here against Davis – don't be surprised if uh, Romero or Johnson give him some fits. Oh, yeah, they won't allow that type of yeah. pacing, those two guys. So. But overall, I think Bellator really came out swinging with this card, 257. Oh, yeah, man. This Grand Prix really gave a lot of life to Bellator. On top of all the other great fights they're doing, mm-hmm. we just saw a Pitbull fight. Um, we've got the Pettis title fight Archuleta up, Pettis. versus Archuleta. That's also on May 7th. That's the same night as Rumble Romero. <laughs> yep. Man, Bellator's doing big things right now, and I love it. Yep, but that is all for our news today. And now, on to the recap of hashtag UFC Vegas 24. Um, overall, this card, I guess a bit unspectacular. Well, let's just put it this way. Ten fights, mm. eight decisions. Hmm. Which, Take it for what it's worth. Yeah, which, you know... Not now, that, no decisions don't mean bad fights, yeah, per but se. It, it, but it, there's a few sprinkled in that weren't the best. Yeah, it is. There was some duds around here. There were some good fights, and we'll talk yeah. about those, but... Overall, you know, when you have a lot of this competition going on, like you have Bellator coming out swinging with a really big card, um, 1FC's truly trying to make a big splash on TNT, and then the fight that shall not be spoken about happening the same night. The same night, yeah. um, It's just not kind of maybe the kind of card that you want to have happen when you have all this competition out there right now, but... um, Definitely some stuff, to, some takeaways here. And we'll always, start always. with our prelim notables, and I'll let you go first. Prelim notable for me, Jessica Panay. 
the 38-year-old strawweight, former title challenger, makes her return after nearly four years to the date since her last UFC fight. She battled through a bunch of USADA issues, and she had to fight to clear her name of charges and all this stuff. And she did. She got cleared of everything, but not after such a long hiatus, which sucks to see the career get delayed so significantly. She was once kind of in her athletic prime at the age of 34. Now doesn't even get to fight again until 38. But she came back last night against an undefeated Lupi Godinez, making her debut in the UFC and looked good, man. Now on the feet, showed some weaknesses. Lupi, shout out to her, by the way. We're going to see her around for fights to come. She looked good in the striking department, but was a little green. And the veteran expertise really showed for Panay in this one. She utilized a lot of clinch work that uh, decisively got her the win. It was just a feel-good story to fight through all that adversity, come back at the age of 38 and still look good, physically looked good. And we're talking about someone that literally fought Joanna Jacek in, I think, her first or second title defense, which is yeah. years ago at this point. True. She hadn't even won a fight since 2014, went into that hiatus on a three-fight losing streak. So it was just really nice seeing Panay come back, a veteran of that strawweight division. And don't be surprised that after just one win, they give her a pretty prominent name in her next matchup due to her name value in itself. So, mm-hmm. Jessica Panay, feel-good story for me. That's the prelim notable. So, I'm actually going to go with another veteran as well, this time in the middleweight division, Gerald Mearchart. GM3, baby. In his previous encounter, it's been uh, very talked about. Uh, the one-punch KO from Hamzat Chimaev. You know, Mearchart's kind of been, he's been one of those uh, stepping stones for Hamzat as he's, been close to approaching superstardom, but Mirchart proven here in a matchup with Bartos Fabinski, another name we've talked about on the podcast yeah. before. That uh, don't forget about me getting his twenty fourth submission win. That's insane. Technical submission with the guillotine choke two minutes into the fight, and with that submission win, he has the most submission finishes in UFC middleweight history with six. Yeah, the guy's really showing that. Look, I know I know he got knocked down 17 seconds by Hamzat, but he's not some scrub or bum. Exactly. You know, as much as people want to try to... They, uh, and you only hear this when people try to detract from Hamzat. They say he hasn't fought anybody, blah, blah, blah. Gerald Mirchard is solid. Oh, he's a veteran, man. And, Look at the guys he's fought. And, and, I th- and this fight, I hope, can show that a little more. You know, I did see a lot of fighters seem to respect Gerald yeah, Mirchard a lot. I saw a lot good. of fighters tweeting out uh, in support of him. Even Jorge Masvidal. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't know, it was just interesting to, to see kind of the respect that Mirchart has from oh, yeah. the other fighters. A veteran and, that's um, been doing it for years. You know, on a night like this where some of these prospects kind of didn't show up, at least in the most exciting of fashions, um, Mirchart yeah. get my... Uh, Gets one out of only two finishes on the night, and he yeah. did get a 50K bonus. Yep. The two guys that got finishes got the bonus, clearly. So, yeah. you know, for that, what that's worth. The other guy being Tony Gravely, just a quick note yep. on him. He looked very good in he that did. fight. With he did. He got the TKO over Burchak. Um, very disappointed at heavyweight Alexander Romov- yeah. Romanov and uh, Juan Espino. Juan Espino, another tough season winner in the past. Yeah, 40 years old coming into that yep. fight. And Romanov... Undefeated prospect. A beast had finished every fight before. Just this. a very sloppy fight. And you know, heavyweight can get that way when you have these drawn out decisions. But then Espino landed a nut shot <laughs> in the third round. Romanov not able to continue. That means it goes since it was after. Yeah. It's after. Uh, if it goes past two and a half minutes of the second round in a three round fight, whenever <laughs> the fight gets stopped, 
the judges will score. Yeah. So, for example, this knee happened a minute and five seconds into the round three. The judges had to score round three based on who they thought was winning that first minute. Yeah. And Roman, I've got the technical split decision yeah. victory. And you know, it, it was a it was a mess. Yeah. But overall, <laughs> we'll just leave it there. We'll leave it there. Let's get into this main card here. Yeah, but we're going to start with a bit of a dud again because our coming event <sighs> falling out True. at the beginning of the show. What a mess we have on our hands here. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Stevens and Drocker Close. Sure to be a banger. Sure, looking like it was going to be a banger of a fight. These guys face off, get a little too close, a little kissy-kissy action going on. It was weird. Um, <laughs> I only say that because... Uh, Drockard oh. got a little, yeah. I mean, I was thinking of Weidman Silva. I'm thinking of, but since they had masks on, it's kind of like Silva when he put the mask on yeah. against Vitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, because close getting all, you know, they're a little too close for comfort. Jeremy shoves, shut the shit Dr- out of him. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, apparently with the shove, Drocker close got whiplash so yeah. bad. Yeah, he had a concussion. And like a cervical, a cervical sprain. Yeah, something weird. Um, he said when he got pushed, he met, immediately felt his like hand go arm numb. go numb, and like his neck felt weird. Um, what a mess! Yeah, can we just say that I think there's going to be a lot that's going to come out of this. Um, this it's, it's let's say it's not great for Jeremy. Oh, it's definitely not a good look for Jeremy. And considering he's already on the losing streak, he's on. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even make this fight. I. I was going to gonna say, it wouldn't surprise me if he, he gets cut. got cut because of this. Yeah, I mean, he'd cause this at the end of the day. Not a good I look. mean, you could arguably, I don't know what the, I don't know all the ramifications that could come out of something like this, but I was even thinking, I'm like, is Jeremy Stevens going to get sued? Oh, like, I was watching, I'm like, what the hell, man? What'd you push him so hard for? Yeah. Like, Close wasn't even talking trash, or his hands were behind his back. It I was mean, just an intense, yeah. close stare-off, was, and Jeremy... Wanted no part of it. Yeah, it was definitely out of nowhere. Yeah. I could definitely tell you, you probably will never see face-offs the same way ever again. Yeah. Because imagine if that was like a pay-per-view headline. Oh, could you imagine, man? Like, imagine if that was Usman Masvidal that's supposed to happen. Yeah. And Masvidal pushed Usman, and Usman all of a sudden... Sprained his neck or whatever. That's... Like... I mean, the UFC can't risk that yeah. kind of commodity. So, so then it's like, okay, are people no longer allowed to touch at the face-offs? Well, they Do probably, they have to stand at a certain if distance? That, if, that was, so if that needs to be made a rule, well, that should have been made a rule a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, true, true. Now, I get it. Guys, it's very heated a lot of times, so you, you have guys, you know, Those push each other. face-offs can make yeah. some more, you know. But, I mean, come on, man. It probably <laughs> should have been a rule that you can't touch. Yeah. It just... Is it really worth it? True. It was. Just it's weird. just a shame because that it was a very was good. Awesome. It was supposed to be a really good fight. It was a big. That opportunity, was the co-main event. A big opportunity for Drakkar and also for Jeremy to get back on track. Yep. You know, Jeremy Stevens is kicking himself right now. Oh yeah, man. I mean, now you might not even get a chance to right those wrongs. I don't think and you got egg on your face now. I mean, did you see the memes? Yeah, a oh, lot of memes. Man, yeah, I mean, if you're I mean, a part Jer- of MMA Twitter, Jeremy Stevens, you know, being the guy, he's. That said, talking about Conor McGregor at the press conference, yeah. he's like, you know, I'm the hardest hitting 145er. Yeah. He said, when these guys hit people, he, he TKOs people. When I hit people, they don't fucking move. Yeah. So oh, that saw, one. That they're like, good. when I push people, they don't fucking move. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, you know, and I've always liked Jeremy Stevens. Oh, yeah, I mean, we talked about we, his resume on Friday. We talked about Friday. Just the guys always comes and puts on a good show, win yeah, or lose. Win or lose. And it's hard to defend him here. Yeah, it was tough. Hate to see it. 
But because of that, we did have a fight bumped up to the main card. That was Tracy Cortez and Justine Kish. We'll get to that in a second. Started at lightweight, though. Luis Pena and Alexander Munoz. And guess what? My fight of the night pick here. Yeah. Are you going to agree with that or are you going to? I'm no. Okay. Split decision win for Luis Pena. 29-28 across the board, but two scored for Pena. One scored it for Munoz. Uh, this fight was really fun. Hell of a fight. Uh, Pena really showed uh, <clears throat> improvements in his striking that we hadn't he seen. He showed a lot of improvements in his striking and his striking defense, for that matter. Yeah, there were a couple moments where I got nervous with leaving his hands down and just trying to evade with his head. He was than definitely block, using you know? his. He was using his length a lot to just yeah, kind of yeah. lean out of the way. Because Munoz had the power. I, he had. I, some that's power. what I was gonna say. It was really Munoz's power. You could tell that his shots were. They were hurting. Were hurting. Especially but that first round. Pena kind of recognizing that, uh, sticking to his strength, sticking to kind of being the guy that was doing more. Yeah, round three really poured yeah. it on, too. More output from him. You know, round two was neck and neck. Round one was very much a Munoz round. Yeah. So it really came down round to Round two was the one. To that round two. But Pena leaving no doubt in round three that he was the one that was kind of still fresh. Still very fresh. Munoz yeah. gassing a little bit in round three. I had a lot of fun with this fight. Um, I thought we'd see more grappling, but it turned out to be a it was very great stand-up yeah. war. And you know, like, Pena's very much game for that. A lot of times, I, I kind of failed to mention this in our preview, he tends to sort of go wherever the opponent takes the fight. Like That's true. You know, he kind of, he'll strike for all three rounds, but he'll, he'll take it to the ground and out-grapple you for three rounds as well. It's kind of... He kind of like really lets his opponent sort of dictate where the fight goes, and then he just makes the best of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Which is a weird, I guess, <laughs> I'm sure that's not how he would say he he fights, but that's just the way it, it, it comes off. And Munoz is also a guy who has a great grappling background, mm-hmm. but in here, just showing some heavy hands, and he seemed very content with just trading on the feet. Yeah. So you get two guys who we kind of both thought would prefer to stay on the ground and you get the cancellation sometimes but uh, i thought i loved this fight i thought it was really fun great way to open the main card kind of wake me back up after the prelims were a bit of a dud Um, and pena's length and height no matter who he gets matched up with because this is still a young guy fought on tough a couple years back he could very well make a splash at some point there's still some green areas but a couple sure. more fights, man, and we could be seeing him fight for some rankings. Well, I mean, can we talk about that this was his, um, I believe it was his third split decision. In yeah, he's got UFC a lot career. of split decisions. He's 5-3 now. This is now. the first one that he's been on the winning yeah. side of. Yeah. Um, but, like, being in such close fights like that shows that, for one, that he could easily still only have, like, the one loss to Kama Worthy in his yeah. UFC career. But also, if you want to look at the detracting side, he's not levels above these guys he's fighting. He's and, very... and he's waiting until rounds three to start turning it on, but you can't yeah. do that. Because yeah. then I mean, you're down Because in low. round three, he was kind of showboating yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, he was in a flow And state. I was sitting there kind of looking like, I don't know if he's winning this fight, yep. though. Like, he might be one. down 2-0. Yep. Uh, luckily, two judges scored it for him. I, I had a lot of fun with the fight, though. It's my fight of the night pick just from pure... Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, do you have any final thoughts? That's all I got. So now we're going to move on to the fight that got bumped up. This was scheduled to be women's flyweight. Ended up being a catch weight. Justine miss weight? No, no. Tracy Cortez miss weight by half a pound. Okay, by half a pound. So Tracy Cortez 
does get the split decision win over Justine Kish. 29-28 for Tracy, 29-28 for Justine, and then 30-27 for Tracy. Yeah, there definitely wasn't a 30-27. Was that Chris Lee? (laughs) They like Chris. I did hear Chris Lee's name last night, and I went, oh, Maybe he was there. I don't know. He was the one that scored uh, the Munoz-Pena fight for Munoz, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. Or maybe he was the one that scored Espino over Romanov. I forget. But whatever one he was on the wrong end of, and I was like, go figure. Go figure, Chris Lee. Put the ju- put the Joes in the judges' seats. <laughs> but uh, what were your thoughts on this fight? Well, I wasn't surprised that they bumped it to the main card. There's yeah. a lot of hype behind Tracy, rightfully so. She's a very good fighter, a contender series alum. We know how the UFC loves the contender series people. Mm-hmm. And she looked good. She's now on a nine-fight win streak. She's 3-0 in the UFC. Her first two fights were at Bantamweight because they were kind of short-notice bookings and just awkward opponents, so on and so forth. Flyweight is her natural weight class. I will say it's a bad look to miss weight when you call it your natural weight class. Granted, it was half a pound. Maybe she just wasn't used to cutting weight since her last two fights had been at Bantamweight. Nevertheless, she's very strong, very physically built, as was Justine Kish, by the way. And she's very grapple heavy, and it showed in round one. Definitely got the best of Kish in round one. Round two, very back and forth. Um, I still scored that second round. This was one where... Round two was the deciding yeah. round because round three I felt was clearly for Kish. That round was uh, full five minutes on the feet. Cortez, being a grapple heavy style fighter, didn't look bad necessarily on the feet. Put some good combinations together, had some power shots, but Kish uh, did have the overall advantage in the striking. But it was those early grappling exchanges in round one and round two that I think. Uh, solidified the win for Cortez. So, it, all in all, it was a pretty good fight. It was good for them to get put on the main card. I, again, I wasn't surprised that they did this for Cortez, and we'll see how she bounces back in her next fight at flyweight. Uh, hopefully, she makes weight first and foremost. Yeah, well said. Moving on, middleweight. This is probably going to be my biggest disappointment of the night. Not even because the person I predicted to win didn't, just as the fight as a whole, just not really living up here. Jacob Malkoon, though. The protege. The protege of Robert Whitaker, and he at least showed why people had high hopes for him. You know, he bounces back with a win in his second UFC fight. Unanimous decision over Abdul Razak Al Hassan, 30 27 across the board. Um, Man, really, though, my bigger takeaway I know Jacob Malkoon is now 5 1, still so young in his professional professional MMA career, so young. Yet, my bigger takeaway is going to be. Greenness of Abdul Razak Al Hassan and the, the holes. holes. Yeah, um, he did what he had to do to win. Yeah, he he avoided the power of Al Hassan. Grappled the shit out of him. Just kind of let, but that that was the thing. He just kind of laid on top of. Yeah, him. it didn't do much. That's... And that's why uh, my bigger takeaway is just Al Hassan's inability to. And this might be because of again him moving up a weight class. That's true. That's um, true. Maybe his tech, the technical side, just failing him a bit as he couldn't really just power out. From that bottom position. What a disappointing performance for him. He's now 0-3 since he came back in 2020. Um, it's not looking great for him right now. It's unfortunate. And he's been in some bangers too, those well, prior decisions. But then last night, it was just couldn't find the shot to land. Does he go back to 170? This is a big dude we're talking about. I mean, this guy, he couldn't make weight the last two fights. Yeah. And he lost both of them. So, clearly, there, there are holes. I, I don't think he's going to like cut or anything. I don't think. 
We'll see what happens, but it's a guy that is very marketable with that, you know, 10 finishes, all via knockout, all in the first round. Hopefully he can bounce back in his next fight. And for Malkoon, came out, made a statement to a certain extent, just did what he had to do, uh, recognized where he could uh, find the advantages, and he capitalized on them, essentially, and he rode off into the sunset with a dub. First win in the UFC, 25 years old, still young, still green, as Noah mentioned. I'm interested to see how he does in his next battle. I am too. Matchup wise, what they give him. I mean, again, it's not. This isn't the kind of performance that's necessarily gonna, I guess, incite a lot of excitement in me mm. for his uh, what's next for him. But again, he did what he had to do to win, and ultimately he he found a hole and exposed it and took advantage of it. But for Al Hassan, I mean, I just for a guy that's so powerful, that's so explosive, to just be neutralized so easily yeah. it seemed at times yeah um i did not see that kind of explosion in him um once he was on his back it just seemed like he was he had nothing yeah it's just disappointing coming a bit Uh-oh. now here's my happiest moment of the night <laughs> my boy andre arlovsky that son of a bitch he the ageless wonder <laughs> he somehow finds a way again gets a unanimous decision win over chase sherman 29-28 across the board. This wasn't a great fight, I'll be honest. You know, it, they had its moments. They were uh, hitting. They traded. But uh, neither guy really ever getting too hurt. Um, Arlovsky actually hurting Sherman more than I thought he would. With the calf kicks, Yeah, too. the calf kicks. The get, Shows the evolution of the, his this game. Is, this is what I, I alluded to Friday. Arlovsky, at 42 years of age, you know, when he was heavyweight champion, he was known as the guy with the... Most Nasty powerful power. right hand, yeah. the most explosive striker in the game. But as he's gotten older, as he's had some losses pile up, as he's had some injuries pile up, he's completely evolved. And as an all-around mixed martial artist, truthfully, has probably gotten better. When you turn, when you look at all aspects, I think it's more so the power is obviously not there anymore, and I it's mean, slower. So he would you probably, take some things away, you add some things. Yeah, I mean, he would probably still lose to the champion oh, yeah. version of himself. But uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like He's definitely changed with the times. Yeah. And I fully respect that. And to be that. 42 and do that is so I always impressive. think back to, he he had a fight with uh, Stefan Struve a couple years ago. And in that fight, I think he scored five takedowns. Yeah. And that was more than he had in his entire, entire career. career combined. So that's why, like... I keep seeing these things out of Arlovsky, but like, you know, he did that against Struve because that was the best way to yeah. beat Struve. But then you don't see it again from him. Yeah. It's like he finds these holes in his opponent's game and he is just good enough at that, that, that kryptonite mm-hmm. to use it. And then you'll never see it again. That's right. <laughs> Here, he was effectively using those calf kicks they, he they was moving. He was. I'll tell you what. He was moving. Yes, around he was, man. Frustrating Sherman, to floating like a butterfly. Sherman, like the final belt when the final ten oh, seconds. So angry, and Arlovsky's still. I feel just, like Arlovsky knew he was up. Honestly, yeah. granted, it was a very close fight. I I thought he won as well. So I did too. And he gets another big win here over a powerful young guy. The damn guys won three of his last four. Only lost to Tom Aspinall. And the biggest prospect. Let's heavyweight. talk about the biggest. Shock to me, Arlovsky, even including last night's fight, in his last 17 fights. 17 fights. 
has closed as the betting underdog. And here's the even more impressive stat in terms of Arlovsky. All 17 of those fights since 2015. This man yeah. has fought 17 times. He's fighting three, four <laughs> times a year at 40 years old. I'd be curious. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I, I would even like to know. I'd love to know who the that 18th fight The fight is. that he was the favorite yeah. in. I believe it was uh, the Frank Mir fight that he won. And then went on the five fight. And then he lost streak. to Stipe. Yeah, that was tough. So, um, this yeah, is I crazy. mean, this is just a guy who, look, he's not, you know, ever going to be fighting for a belt yeah, again. Yeah, it's not like he's in the same shoes as a Glover Teixeira. Yeah. But, but still winning. For a guy that so many people count out, they go, why is this guy still kept around? That's why. Chase Sherman bouncing back big in his second run in the UFC, runs into the old man in Arlovsky and gets neutralized. Yeah. Orlovsky does best at the Sherman now three and six in the UFC. Yeah, tough scenes for him. Orlovsky gets his twentieth victory inside the octagon. (laughs) I think we pair him up with a little uh, heavyweight legend fight next for shits and giggles. And who might that be? Alexi Olenek. Yep. I mean that that just seems like the best kind of combined. These guys have like one hundred and seventy fights together. (laughs) Yeah, literally though. Alexi's had eighty fights almost. Orlovsky's now at fifty three, and they've never fought. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not? That's a good way to kind of send both of them out the door, or I don't, who knows? These guys. I will great. say, in terms of just all around skill, still at their age, Arlovski definitely <coughs> still has some more pep in his step. He said last night in his post fight presser, he doesn't want a couple more fights. He said a couple more years. Yeah. And at his pace, that's ten more. 10, that's why more it fights. wouldn't surprise me if we don't see him fight Olenek. He seems very comfortable being that betting underdog. Yeah. And fighting. Give me the young, young guys. That seems to be what he's striving in right now. I know it doesn't always work out for him like the Aspinall fight, but more often than not, it kind of has been lately. And it's not like, granted they are young prospects, they're still tough fights. I mean, yeah. Sherman, 3-6 and six in UFC, but he has 15 wins, 14 of them via finish. I mean, he's I mean, a heavy killer. striker. Yeah, and then Felipe Lenz was another fight that he won before the Aspinall fight. So these guys are he's good been that very, he's beating. He's been very close in a couple of those decisions that went the other way. Even Tai-tumi the one with Vasa, Sakai? Augusto uh, yeah. Sakai. Those are both fights I thought he won. I know I'm a little biased. I'm a big Arlovski. But you look, I mean, Sakai's number nine. Yeah. You know? So, what a feel-good story. Yeah. A couple feel-goods last night. I was very happy that Arlovski could get that win. Uh, man, he was in the co-main event. You know, that's kind of nice. Turning it back a ways yeah. for that. <laughs> Now we move on to the main event of the evening. Come on now. Robert Whitaker gets on, the unanimous man. decision over Kelvin Gastelum. 50-45 on all three judges' scorecards. Masterclass. It was a masterclass performance. It's This is another contender for performance of the year. I don't know if he'll be able to beat Max Holloway. But, uh, uh-huh. but I mean, come on. I mean, the best we've seen Robert Whitaker look. Maybe. I mean, maybe ever. Yeah. That good. Because Kelvin Gastelum, let's be show him some respect here, was completely game. Oh, yeah, man. And even looked, and looked good. Round one, I, I think the commentators were not giving Kelvin enough credit yeah. in round one. I was going to say something about that to you. Yeah. But I was like, all right, I'll slow it down, see how the rest of the fight goes. After that, Robert started to pull away a little bit more. But, oh, it was crazy, um, man. Early on, though, Kelvin was landing some big shots. And, you know, Kelvin looked very, for him anyways, he's always been kind of a, What's the word? A pudgy guy. Yeah, he looked good. Physically. He actually looked pretty fit for being the guy that he the statue. And a lot of it is. probably because he was so active. Just had the fight with Hein yeah. Heinish, and now he's back in. I wouldn't doubt. I mean, he took some damage, but he'll be. I I like an active Kelvin Gastelum. 
to right the wrongs here. And for Whitaker, again, a masterclass striking clinic. His combos, that left hook to right high kick that he does, you don't even see it coming. It's, you don't uh, see a single crazy. shot that Robert throws. That that that's You're c- completely right. Everybody's talked about it. Everybody acknowledges that he has that, and yet nobody seems to be able to stop it. it last night, he really... Looked like a wonder boy in terms of his hands just hanging yeah. low, hanging low, boom, boom, out of nowhere. You don't even see him coming. And still gets his hands up quick enough to defend shots. Un- unbelievable performance. He just turned 30 years old. I talked about this all week leading into it. And uh, Kelvin's still only 29. Both these guys have accomplished so much already. I can't wait to see what else they can do. But for Whitaker, the Reaper 2.0. He can't be denied any longer. No, it's time for him and Adesanya yeah. to meet again. I know that the first encounter went very one way for Adesanya, but the Robert we've seen since then, he looks better. He looks like he's cleaned up a lot of these. I don't even want to call them holes in his game, but they were just the the the, the, the I guess the weaknesses, if you want to call it that, or the the, up. the the paths to victory for Adesanya to take advantage of. He seems to have completely rid those away and has replenished his skill set with completely different arsenal of weapons. I feel as if a second fight between Whitaker Adesanya would be similar to the Whitaker-Till stylistic type matchup here. That, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that uh, a second fight, I think um, it, it wouldn't be so easy to pit this time around. Yeah, I mean, you simply, he just can't be denied anymore. There have been plenty of people that have gotten rematches for the title they lost. Without doing much less, if if not anything. Well, there's one happening next weekend. So. Yes, very true. But then you look at Whitaker's had to do to get his title shot back. Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, Kelvin Gastelum, and it was Holy supposed to be shit. and it was supposed to be Paulo Costa. Let's yeah. not forget. I mean, absolutely crazy. And it's just it's obvious to me that like the especially because Adesanya just lost to um, the light heavyweight. Yeah, we're fight. plenty of removed from that yeah. first. So now. Adesanya is strictly a middleweight right now. Yeah, and we've seen Adesanya go on to have the Romero fight, and then he had the fight with. Well, I'm uh, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying he lost to he he was he, he tried to to go big and try to become champ champ, and obviously if he would have beat Blahovich, it would have became very difficult for Robert Whitaker to stake his claim because that's what happens when these guys become champ champs. They yeah. kind of hold up two divisions. And then you know if he would have beat Blahovich, then he would have been knocking on John Jones' yeah, door. Yeah, for heavyweight. So it's it's he lost the fight to Blahovich. He is now the only, he's only the middleweight champion. It's time for him to keep going. Yes. And I understand that for him, it's probably frustrating that a lot of these matchups are rematches for him. But Robert Whitaker has done everything that so many contenders before him would be pissed or refused to do. And fight three times after being a guy who, yeah, I know he doesn't technically have any title defenses to his name, but that wasn't his fault. He held the belt for nearly two years or so. Yeah, a guy who really does deserve. And all shot. three guys were ranked in the top ten. Yeah, so it it has to happen. Hopefully by the end of this year. Hopefully in another sold out arena down there in Australia would be quite incredible. Now for Kelvin, being that he stepped up big here and. Um, took this fight on short notice and looked really good in it. I'm actually not gonna move him back here. You know, he was number eight coming in, put up a good fight against the number one guy in the division. I'm giving him number four, Jared Cannonier next. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I, I Interesting. Really, you know, you could argue that with the loss he needs to fight backwards, but this is a guy who just looked really good in his previous fight before the Whitaker one with Ian Heinish. Uh, maybe it's like maybe you risked a little something by throwing him up there, but I think Kelvin's good enough to fight the best of the best in this division. It's an interesting stylistic fight. It is. And, you know, honestly, a lot of the guys around him that might be more realistic number-wise don't interest me as much or yeah. has already fought them. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go, quote-unquote, more realistic. Not that I think that fight's unrealistic, but I think uh, he should just fight the winner, Weidman Hall. Uriah Hall coming up uh, this weekend at 261. Either guy that would win would be a rematch for Kelvin. If it were Uriah, it would be the rematch of the tough finals, which mm-hmm. I think would be kind of cool and nostalgic. Either way, I don't think you can go wrong. You're not punishing him. I mean, Weidman did, does have a win over yeah, him. Yeah, Weidman has him. a win over him, so that would be cool. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go with that option, and I don't hate yours at all. I, I'm just ready to see Jared get back in with whoever. They yeah, need that's why I was in. just looking at the top of the heap. I'm like, Jared's coming off a loss. He's going to have to fight someone a little bit further down. Yeah. He got Hermanson fighting Shabazian. Like, Darren Till's probably going to uh, fight. I mean, he's got Brunson, Vittori, Costa, all in there so yeah, i don't know what's gonna happen there yeah it's very interesting but that's what i'm gonna go with um really shout out to kelvin shout out to rob they put up a great main event oh that was my fight of the night sorry was your fight of the night yeah. pick it was very close to being mine it, it was went, more so one-sided but there it, were moments i just de- i definitely just sided more with the i guess three rounds of really good action um whitaker gaslam had its moments started off really strong I think by the end, though, it just became Whitaker, like, just, Whitaker just kept pulling away. Yeah. Uh, but both guys were game here, so shout out to them for putting up a good main event. Um, the best main event across combat sports that happened on this night. Yep, not a, not up for debate. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it for hashtag UFC Vegas 24. There it is. So as for the rest of the week, Wednesday, Another three-episode week. Wednesday, got a fun one for you guys. This one's a little bit extra special. We're just going to be looking back on the history of three title fight cards in the UFC. There is seven of them. Yeah, soon to be eight. Yep, soon to be eight. This is obviously happening because Saturday right. we have UFC 261, another three title fight card. Um, it's It just seems appropriate to kind of... We're really just going to be digging into kind of who was in these fights. Yeah. Um, we're not focusing on the whole card. That, no, anything may be interesting about the event, but mostly like did these fights live up. How many new champions did we get? Just seeing what we can kind of find here and um, hopefully get us more excited and, you know, maybe get some fun predictions going. Because Friday we have an absolute banger. And that's the preview. Yes. For UFC 261 with mm. those three title fights. Mm. Mm. Go the, ahead and list the, them off. The, list well, them off. Listen, Masvidal always win too. The people's main event. <laughs> Wei Li. Or actually, they've been switching it back. Zhang Wei Li. Versus Rose Namajunas for the women's strawweight title. And then Valentina Shevchenko in what will potentially be her toughest test at flyweight against Jessica Andrade. Plus you got Ryan Hall, Chris Weidman. Plus you got Jimmy Crute and Anthony Smith. We might even have some prelim fights we got to talk about. This is true. We'll see. We'll see you then. <laughs> well, actually, we'll see you Wednesday. First. Yeah, but until then... <laughs> Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram, at Deasley14. Find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore M-M-A-P. I'm just kidding. Podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at 
ncbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, mm. which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. All on there. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. Mm-hmm. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, a news story, if you just want to say hi or tell us we're a piece of shit, mm. you got 60 seconds to do it there. And there's another link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, mm-hmm. whether it be audio equipment mm-hmm. or down the line doing a video podcast. So again... You can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we'll see you all on Wednesday.